Good morning, everyone. Wonderful to have you here today. We're going to continue to speak about the supernatural. In case you don't know what that means, it simply means anything that is above or beyond the natural or the normal. So we're talking about God, and who, by the way, is above and beyond what is normal and natural. And we're talking about how God breaks into our lives. And we're talking about the things that he says and does, the things that are out of, outside of the ordinary. And so the question that we have for you today is this. Does God still speak? Does God still speak to us? For some of us, we know that, yes, indeed, he does speak. And others of us, we're not so sure. We've been waiting for a long time for an audible voice from God, and we haven't heard it yet. Uh, I'm going to just tell you before I go any further, God speaks to me, but I have never yet heard an audible voice, him in, in an audible voice. I've never heard him tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, Alan, never had that. But I have had God speak to me, and I'm going to share just a few examples of that uh, throughout the course of this morning. One of the things that I really remember from my childhood were some of the stories from Sunday school. I remember the story of Adam and Eve. I think probably everybody remembers that story. Remember how uh, Eve took the fruit, which I thought for years was an apple, and discovered that nobody knows really what that fruit was. But uh, that was not the failure of my teacher, I don't think. I think that's a failure of most people. They don't understand it. Um, I remember the story of Noah and the ark. Remember the flooding of the earth? That was pretty amazing. Remember... Joseph in his coat of many colors. How many remember that story? It's a pretty amazing story. And I remember many, many other stories. But there was one story in particular that I want to share with you this morning that I consider to be the first Old Testament story that really gripped my imagination and my heart. It gripped it like no, no other story did. And in fact, it contains the very first scripture verse in the Old Testament that I memorized. And for me, it was a game changer. It literally changed my life. And it can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And you can, you can take your Bibles and turn there. And I'm going to read it to you in just a moment. Before I do, let me just say this. Israel is at a transition time. They've had a number of judges. Remember, there was Moses who was leading the children of Israel. Then there was uh, Joshua who took over from Moses. And then we find the judges and we come to the place where Israel is being led by, uh, by prophets, priests. We find Eli and Eli's sons. Now, Eli and his sons turned out to be uh, actually wicked people. They were not doing things the way God wanted them to. God warned them many times. Around this time, and you heard me talk about this the other day, a woman by the name of Hannah comes to pray at the place of worship. And Eli, seeing her just sort of sitting there and her lips are moving, and, and he has no idea what's going on. He thinks she's drunk. But she tells her story. She says, I, you know, hey, I'm not drunk, sir. I'm, I'm praying. I've, I'm, my heart is distressed. God, God, for whatever reason, has not allowed me, enabled me to have children. And I've, I've been ridiculed, and I've been the, 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 the brunt of many jokes and I have been persecuted. And so Eli says, well, God's going to give you a child. And Hannah makes a promise to God and says, God, if you will give me this child, then I will give my child back to you. And so if you know the story, Hannah does have a child, and she names that child Samuel. 
And Samuel is raised by his mother up until he's old enough to function on his own. And Hannah brings Samuel, the boy Samuel, to the house of God and literally turns him over to Eli. Now, I'm looking at little Michael Zilke over there. Michael, could you imagine if your dad said, Pastor Allen, I'm, I'm giving you Michael. Michael's yours to use any way you want around this place. And then I found a place in, my, in the office or up in the mezzanine for Michael to sleep and uh, put a little bit of food and water beside him there so he's okay. That's literally what happened. And so here's Samuel handed over to God. And now listen to this. Now this is the story that gripped me. To me, it is the most powerful New Te- Old Testament story uh, for, for me personally. It's, it's not the most powerful story, generally speaking, but for me personally as a boy, this spoke to me. And it says this in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel, this is 1 Samuel chapter 3. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. And he, remember, he's the priest. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. Okay, so God did speak to people, but, but now the writer of Samuel, of 1 Samuel, is saying that, that, that these messages, God speaking, had become a rare thing. So one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Or imagine, that's Michael sleeping at Cross Church. <laughs> Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel! And yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Go back to bed. So Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. The Lord called a third time. Here's Samuel. Two times he thinks it's Eli. The third time he thinks it's Eli. So Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli suddenly realized It was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. Now that was the verse that I learned, by the way, in verse 9. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Anybody learn that verse? Oh, that that to me was a powerful verse. And the Lord came and called us as before, Samuel, Samuel. And the Lord came and called as before, And Samuel Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. Now, I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story. You're going to go home and read that because you want to know what that shocking thing is. But my message this morning is not about the shocking thing that God is going to do in Israel. The message this morning is about the fact that God still speaks and wants to speak to you and to me. For me, as a young boy, the thought of God speaking to me, to Alan Duncalf, the thought of God even wanting to use me for his purposes, the way that he used Samuel for his purposes, was the most exciting thing I could ever imagine. 
Now, some of you who are reading about the shocking thing, would you put that away right now? Listen to me. Fast forward 45 years, and I can say that God still speaks to me, although he's never done it in an audible voice. He's been speaking to me ever since I first read that passage of Scripture. When I read that passage of Scripture, when I heard that story, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is still in the business of speaking to his people. So the question then is, how does God speak to us, and what sort of things does he say? This morning, we're going to focus on the supernatural aspect of God speaking to you and me. I want you to know today that God still does speak, and he wants to speak to you. He wants you to know his will. He wants to give you guidance for your life day by day. God wants you to know his will for your marriage. God wants you to know his will for your family, for your career, for your job. God wants you to know his will. And the question is this, will you, will you listen to him? Now, how do I know this? Well, very easily, if you go back to the very first chapters of the Bible. What's the first book of the Bible? Thank you, Ray. Genesis. For the rest of you who didn't know that, it's Genesis, which means beginnings. We find God has created Adam and then Eve. And what's God doing? He's communicating with them. He's talking to them. In fact, the Bible seems to indicate that it was God's habit and Adam and Eve's habit, behavior, custom, whatever you want to say, to communicate with God, to talk to God, to daily walk with God. And then sin entered in. And we find that God is not talking or Adam and Eve are not listening as much as they used to. And then we get onto the story of Cain and Abel. And you know the story. God, God is accepting Abel's gifts, his sacrifices. Now remember, Cain and Abel are the sons of Adam and Eve. Cain is angry because it seems that Abel is more favored of God, that God is accepting his sacrifices but not accepting Cain's sacrifices. And God actually comes to Cain and warns Cain. He speaks to Cain and he says, Cain, you've got to get this temper of yours under control. I'm paraphrasing a bit. You've got to get this temper of yours under control. Remember, sin is crouching at your door. It's, it's preparing itself to pounce. It's going to get you. And if you know the story, sin does get a hold of Cain. Cain refuses to listen to God. And Cain kills his brother. Fast forward hundreds of years, we get to Noah. And now the world is so wicked, there's so much evil. People now are not listening to God. They don't want to hear God speak. Nobody's listening to God. But God finds one man whom God describes as righteous. And what is it about, about Noah that is so wonderful? And it's this. Noah knows how to listen to God speaking. And God says to Noah, Noah, you're the only one. Everybody, nobody, there's nobody else on the face of the earth that will listen to me. And you know the story. God gives no instructions, and the world literally is wiped out except for Noah and his family. Fast forward again some hundreds of years. We come to Abraham. And God wants to bring his Messiah. And this is really important to get this. God wants to bring his Messiah to the world. He wants to bring the Savior to this broken and hurting world. But he needs to have someone born on the earth. And he needs to have a people. 
through whom the Messiah could be born. So whom does he choose? He chooses Abraham. And God speaks to Abraham and tells Abraham what to do and where to go. And, and Abraham listens to God and does exactly what God tells him to do. And then we fast forward again some hundreds of years, and we come to Moses. And Moses, as you know, was, was a prince of Egypt, a little boy, little little Hebrew boy rescued from, from the rushes, from the, from the river, because the Hebrew boys were being slaughtered by Pharaoh. And little Moses is raised by Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh does not know, or uh, Moses does not know God until the day that Moses runs away because he's murdered a Hebrew, or he's murdered an Egyptian uh, uh, soldier who's killed a Hebrew man. Moses takes off, flees, and while Moses is in the backside of the desert, he sees a burning bush, and God speaks to him. And what, is, what does God say? He says to Moses, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. And God begins to tell Moses exactly what he wants Moses to do. He wants Moses to go back to Egypt, risk his life. He wants God, God wants Moses to go back and deliver his people from the hands of Pharaoh. And so that's what he does. And it's interesting, folks, because we discover that Moses is the only one who's really speaking to God. In fact, the people of Israel who have now experienced the miracles of God have experienced God delivering them out of the hands of Pharaoh, have, ex have experienced and seen all of the plagues on Egypt. Now they have come to Moses and they say, Moses, we don't want to talk to God. We want you to talk to God. We don't want God to speak to us. Now, can I just tell everybody something here right now? This is exactly what happens when sin reigns in your heart. You don't want God to speak to you. You don't really want to hear the voice of God. It's like Augustine who said, who, remember that? God makes it clear to Augustine, one of our church fathers, what changes need to take place in his life. He's got to stop womanizing. He's got to stop his, his alcoholism. He's got to stop his wild living. And so Augustine gets on his knees before God and says, God, deliver me of my sin, but not yet. You see, the fact is, folks, is that we're living a sinful life and we're not living in communion with God. We really don't really want to hear God speak. And this is what we see, folks. This is the pattern throughout the history of humanity. The children of Israel, we don't want God to speak to us because if he speaks to us, he just might kill us. It's pretty smart, actually. And so Moses goes on behalf of the people and he speaks to God and God speaks to Moses. You fast forward a bit bit further into the history of Israel. Moses is ready to hand the leadership over to Joshua. And Joshua now is terrified. God, what on earth have I got myself into? Has anybody ever felt like that? Maybe when you got married, what have I got myself into? When you had your first child and your child's screaming, what on earth have I got myself into? And here's what God says. You get, remember, God is speaking. God speaks to Joshua and he says, Joshua, Maybe you remember, memorize this verse in Sunday school. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. And then we fast forward again to Samuel. Then the Lord said, 1 Samuel 3.11, Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel, which you're going to read about later. 
Now, I can tell you there are many, many, many examples of God speaking in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I don't have time to go into all the places and, and reveal to you all the people to whom God spoke. There's some very unusual moments when God spoke. How many have ever heard of Balaam? And Balaam has been told specifically by God not to curse the children of Israel, but Balaam has been offered a lot of money to go curse Israel. And so Balaam thinks, listen to God or get a lot of money. I'm going to go with the money. And as he's on his way to curse Israel, this is a great story. You can look it up and find it for yourself. Balaam's donkey starts to talk to him. And he's having a conversation with his donkey. And the donkey says, haven't, been, haven't I been serving you well all these years? Don't you know who I am? Remember me? I've been carrying you everywhere. You've never had a problem with me. It's quite a remarkable story. And then suddenly, God opens Balaam's eyes, and Balaam sees that there's a, a, a mighty angel with a big flaming sword blocking the way and not letting that donkey go by. Yeah, God speaks in amazing ways. The Bible lists, you know, the Bible lists at least 73 prophets. Some have got books named after them, some don't. But we see that God wants to speak to us. This is God's pattern. This is God's desire throughout the history of humanity. God wants to speak to you, Laura. God wants to speak to you, Deb. God wants to speak to you, Mom. God wants to speak to me. The question then maybe is not does God still speak. The better question maybe is this. Why do we not seem to hear him anymore? Why is it that we're having a difficult time hearing what God has to say to us? Have you ever wondered that? Because I know this. If you read your Bible, you know it. God is still in the business of speaking to his people. He's still in the habit of revealing his purpose and his will to his children. The question is this, are we willing to listen? He wants us to know his purpose. Why are we not hearing him? Why does it seem that God is silent? Well, Paul gives us a hint at why we are deaf to God. Did you hear that? Paul, Paul shows us why we are so often deaf to God, why we don't hear him speaking. Look at this verse, Romans 12, 2. And if you were at the annual business meeting on Wednesday, then you would have heard me speaking about this verse. This verse, Romans 12, 2, needs to be memorized by everybody. This, this really is one of the key verses in the Bible that helps you unlock the way God works in the hearts of every human being. Look at this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. By the way, you can substitute the word behavior and custom for the word Habit. Very good. Thank you, John. You get brownie points. He gets a raise. <laughs> Don't copy the habits. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Look at this. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now watch this. It's after that, after you stop copying the behaviors, the customs, the habits of this world, it's it's when you begin to allow God to transform your brain. It's then, folks, listen, it's then that you begin to hear from God. Look at this verse. Then you will learn to know God's will. Did you get that? Then you will be able to hear God's voice. Then you will know God's will for you. And here's what God's will is for you. It's always good 
and pleasing and Now, how many know that God wants you to experience his good, his pleasing, his perfect will in your life? And the sad fact of the matter is, is that so many of us do not. Why? Because we simply do not know how to hear from God. And here's what Paul's telling us, in in a sense, in essence. He's saying that hearing from God is, in fact, a lifestyle choice. So, Alan, if you want to hear God on a regular basis, if you want to hear God speaking to you and revealing his good and his perfect and his pleasing will, what you're going to have to do is change your lifestyle. I'm singling Alan out, but I'm saying that to everybody here. You know, Alan, he's got got problems with that kitten. That's not true. He's a wonderful boy. We went to bath together. Wonderful guy. Alan, you and I are both Alan. If we had a message for these people here today, we would tell them that they need to change their lifestyle. You need to change the way you're living if you want to learn how to hear God's ongoing direction and guidance in your life. You need to determine whether or not you really want God's guidance or if you want the guidance and the wisdom of this world. How many know that the wisdom and the guidance of this world is absolutely bankrupt? I just read a story, a sickening story, in the New York magazine. It's a secular magazine, and it's a story about an 18-year-old girl who wants to marry her father. It's, it's, it's disgusting, it's gross. But listen, listen. If you take God out of the equation, if you take God's guidance, God's word, God's wisdom, the purity of God out of the equation, folks, why not? Why not? Why shouldn't two women get married? Why shouldn't two men get married? Why shouldn't a, a man marry his dog? Why sh- I mean, this is, this is the crazy stuff that's coming down the pike, folks. This is what you and I are going to see in the days ahead. Why can't I marry my brother? Why can't I marry my sister? God gives us clear direction in his word. It shows, he shows us what his will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Our natural minds are bent by sin, and so we don't always understand why God makes these rules, but we understand as followers of Jesus Christ that his will is good, it's perfect, and it's pleasing. He's got the very best for us in his mind. The question is this, will we listen to him? So how will you live? How you live will actually determine if you hear his voice. Did you hear that? How you live will determine if you hear his voice. Because there's a lot of people who say, well, I'm a Christian and I read my Bible every day. And I say my prayers every day, but God doesn't speak to me. Well, There's something wrong with that equation because I know that God speaks and I know that God wants to speak to you. So the problem, folks, is not with God. The problem has got to be... Thanks very much. (laughs) No, it's with you. (laughs) I'm having fun. It's with us, right? If we're not hearing from God, then we've got the problem. Now, Paul tells us what the problem is. God, God reveals through the Apostle Paul why we don't hear his voice, why we don't hear him speaking to us, and it's because we are copying the behaviors and the customs of this world. We have not yet been transformed into that new person that God wants us to be. 
So here's what you and I need to do. You and I need to position ourselves. Did you hear that? We need to position ourselves to hear God. How am I going to hear what God's will is for my life unless I position myself to hear it? Now, you say, Pastor John, what do you mean by that? What does it mean to position yourself? Well, let me give you an example. In 1982, I was a Bible college student. I had one more year of Bible school to go. I was, uh, Maryland very graciously opened up her home to me. I was able to live at her place. Uh, when I was first studying the ministry, I referred to Marilyn as the woman I lived with. Got into, <laughs> remember that? Marilyn got into trouble for that. Um, but Marilyn had, had let me be a boarder at her place. But I, I had a choice. I, I needed to work and I had a choice between two jobs. I could work at Charleswood Gospel Temple. That's Gloria's dad's church. That's where he was. It's now Grace Community Church. It's out on the perimeter. And the other choice is I could work at Safeway of Canada. Anybody want to guess which would pay more? I could work at Grace Community Church, which, is now, which was then uh, Charleswood Gospel Temple. I could earn $3.25 an hour. Or I could work at Safeway and earn at least four times that. Now, this is going to be very strange for some of the younger folk to understand, but in those days, there were no cell phones. How many remember those days? <laughs> and if you wanted to get a phone call, if you wanted to get a call, you had to position yourself to get that call. What did that mean? It means simply you had to stick by your phone. You had to be by your phone. Does anybody remember those horrible days when you, you couldn't leave the house because you're waiting for a phone call? You had to position yourself to get that call. So literally, uh, I positioned myself to stay near the phone. I knew that I was going to get a call, and so I needed to stick by that phone. And finally, the phone call did come. And you know what's interesting is I was praying beforehand, and I said, God, I don't know what I should do. I just need your guidance. I need your instruction. And here's the interesting thing. As I'm praying, God says, well, what do you really want to do for a living? What do you want to do when you're done school? Do you want to work for Safeway or do you want to be in the ministry? Now, this was not an audible voice. This was an impression in my heart. I had heard God speak to me. Folks, I can't, I can't explain to you all the factors that are involved in me coming and hearing that from God, all I can say to you is that after studying the Scripture, after, after reading the Bible, after knowing how God works and speaks to his people, I literally heard from God. And I knew in that moment what God wanted me to do. And it was not to take the big job with the big bucks. And then I got a phone call. And it wasn't from Charleswood Gospel Temple. It wasn't from Gloria's dad. It was from Safeway. And they said, is this Alan Duncalf? Yes, it is. Well, I just want you to know, um, we've got a job opening for you. And I, you know what I said? I said, and this is before Gloria's dad had even confirmed that he was going to give me a job. I said, to, I said to the people at Safeway, I said, thank you so much for the offer, but in the meantime, I got a job. And it was shortly after that I got a call from Gloria's dad saying, well, do you or don't you want to come and work at Charleswood Gospel Temple? And I said, not only do I want to, I know it's what God wants. And folks, I can tell you, I got to the end of my summer 
stint as, a, as an intern pastor, as a summer youth pastor. John, you can do the arithmetic. At $3.25 an hour, I didn't have anything near what I needed to go back to school in September. But look, at, look what happened, folks. My last Sunday there, without warning, Gloria's dad, out of the blue, said, hey, you know, why don't we take up an offering for this young, pa- young man going back to Bible school? Let's take up an offering and uh, we can bless him on his way. And so you know what happened? The money that I needed to go back to school came in on that offering. And it, most of it, I discovered later, came through one person who felt God speaking to them, saying, you need to support this young man as he goes back to Bible school. Here's what you need to understand. In the life of the believer, the follower of Jesus Christ, God does a lot of speaking to his people. The question is this, is, are we listening? Now, I've got to tell you, I was so thankful on that Sunday morning for that one person who heard from God who said, give Alan uh, X number of dollars. It was, a, it was a fairly large check. And folks, it was enough to get me, get me into Bible school to make it through another, another year. That coupled with Marilyn's generosity, the money that I'd paid to stay at her house for those four Four months, Marilyn ended up giving right back to me for when I went back to Bible school. I did not expect that. But folks, listen, this is, this is the way God wants to work in our lives. And for some of you, your Christian life is so dull, so flat, so boring, and it's because you have missed out on the excitement of God speaking to you and revealing his will. So the Apostle Paul says, don't conform or don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. What's he saying? Stop copying the behaviors and customs of this world. And by, the, by world, what do we mean? We mean simply people who don't worship God or don't care about God's law. When I was in Bible school, there were two groups of people. There were those who were there to have a good time. And it's the same today as it was then. And it was the same 20 and 50 years before that. Still going on. Bible school, university. There's people who are there to have a good time, and you're there, those who are there to study, who want to get ahead and want to do God's will. And I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice. Either I'm going to hang out with those who are there just to have fun and to party, to stay out all night and just have a ball, or I'm going to hang out with those who really want to go into ministry, who want to see God work in their life. One group was out having fun, and the other was in preparing for the ministry. Folks, I'm not bragging, but I got to tell you this. That was one of the first ones from my class to get a full-time ministry position. In fact, out of the class of 21 of us, only five of us ended up in the ministry. And not only was I able to land a job, but I was one of the few that won awards. I didn't do it for awards. I had no idea that I was going to get an award. But I was there because I was serious about doing what God wanted me to do. So here's what's got to happen, folks. Is you've got to make up your mind what behaviors and habits and customs you're going to copy. Are you going to follow the way of the world? Which ends in what? The Bible says it ends in destruction. Or are you going to do what God wants you to do? So here's the thing. If we're going to hear from God, you and I must position, position ourselves to hear him. Did you know that living like an unbeliever makes us deaf to God? If you are living according to the behaviors and the customs of people who are not Christians, who are not followers of Christ, it makes you instantly deaf. You cannot hear God's voice. 
So if you want to hear God's voice, and if you want to experience his guidance and his direction in your life, then you're going to have to start living the way God wants you to live. Folks, listen, this is why we begin classes on Wednesday called The Seven Habits. I'm teaching you the customs and the behaviors of the kingdom of God. Do you get it? That's why we're doing this. And listen to me, folks, as you learn to live by the behaviors and the customs of the kingdom of God, then you've positioned yourself to start hearing God speak to you. You will begin to experience suddenly a divine wisdom, divine instruction, divine guidance. You will suddenly know what God wants you to do and what God doesn't want you to do. You'll suddenly learn how to be a really good parent. How many people come to me and say, Pastor, I'm a failure as a parent. I don't know what I'm doing. And I want to say, look, go back to Scripture. Go, let, start walking with God. Start allowing God to speak to you through his word and start speaking to God through prayer. It's habit number one. And you're going to find God's direction in your life. But the fact of the matter is, is that most people are flying through this life blind. They have no idea where they're going and They feel the turbulence. They don't know if they're flying upside down, right side up. They don't know if they're about to crash. They don't know if they're going, if they're heading to the moon. They don't know what's going on. But when you get yourself aligned with God's spirit, folks, I'm going to tell you, you begin to know his divine guidance in your life. Folks, I'm teaching you these behaviors and customs so that you will position yourself to hear from God. I'm going to tell you, Every one of these seven habits that we're teaching you are critical to help you hear God's voice. And you're going to find that out more. So Paul says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but do what? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Your mind or your thinking, folks, it must be trained to hear God. Did you hear that? Your mind or your thinking must be trained to hear from God, because by nature we're sinful, we don't hear God. So we need to be transformed, we need to be changed. That's why at Cross Church, we don't just give you information, we work hard at your transformation. This is why we have these classes, to show you practically what you must do. Not what you must know, but what you must do. You say, well, Pastor Allen, isn't it important to know? Yes, the knowing informs the doing, but you got to do. We had a piano tuner come to our home. And it's, it's, I don't know if you've ever seen a piano tuner, but their ear is tuned, and they know exactly. They just, they just take the little hammer, they, they, or the little tuning forks, and they just ping. And then he starts with his wrenches, and he starts adjusting. I mean, there's millions. Has anybody looked inside a, a piano? Millions of wires? You think, who on, what kind of a strange human being knows how to adjust millions of wires to make it all sound nice? A piano tuner. Why? Because his ear has been trained. Matt Taylor, who was listening to my, my van, who was having some problems some months back, and he says, give me a stick. Give him a stick. He sticks it on the block, and then he puts his ear to the wood stick that's touching the engine. He goes, oh, I know what the problem is. What kind of a freak is that? <laughs> I'll tell you, is somebody whose ear has been tuned, been trained. Now listen, you and I need to have our minds, our, our ear trained to hear God's voice because by nature we don't hear it. 
The starting point then is by changing our customs and our behaviors and then opening our minds up to hearing the voice of God, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. But listen to this. There's the owner of a flight school who's flying to Dallas in some cloudy weather. And you know what happens if it's cloudy and if it's nightfall? You've got no reference point. You don't know what, where the ground is. You know, there's trees. You don't know anything. What have you got? All you've got is your instrument panel. And so his instruments were telling him that he was actually flying upside down. He had no idea. It's just, just, you know, just making good time <laughs> and just cruising right along in the clouds. But his instrument panels were saying he was flying upside down. He was in the cloud, didn't have any physical landmarks to help him out. And, uh, and so he thought, man, I've got to flip this plane over. But look at every part of his physical being was, was, taking, was saying, don't do it. <laughs> don't flip the plane over. He was going against every instinct in his body. It was, his body was screaming at him. Don't do it. Don't do it. But he made up his mind. He decided he was going to trust his instrument panel. And he maneuvered his plane back to where his instruments were saying he was straight and level. Look at this. Even though his inner ear was saying otherwise. Now let the Spirit of God speak to you. Because our natural mind, we think we're so brilliant. We think we're so smart. If you listen to all the pundits and all this, the talk show hosts on TV, they are all saying things and speaking things that are against the word of God. Why? Because their inner ear is deceiving them. Because their inner ear is not under the control and the direction of the spirit of God. Once this pilot popped out of the clouds and he was about to land, he had no idea what was going to happen. But once he came out of the clouds and the horizon now was in sight, he was about to land, he realized that his inner ear lied to him. Let the Spirit of God speak to you here, folks. Because so many of us are, are, are flying blind and we're flying by our own wisdom on our own understanding. And in, I'm going to tell you, folks, your, your nature, your sin nature will lie to you and you'll get it wrong almost every time. And the flight, this flight instructor, he says this. He says, this is exactly why student pilots learn, look at this, correcting, quote, unusual attitudes. This is why students learn the correcting of unusual attitudes, and here's how they do it. They do it with foggles. They do it with foggles. What are foggles? They're goggles that simulate fog, so you can't really see what's going on. And he says it's because your inner ear can essentially lie to you. So here's the thing. We've got to say this in closing. Hearing God... Hearing him speak to you is something that you must be trained in. And I'm going to tell you this, God will speak to you. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to know his purpose. But what needs to happen, folks, is that you and I need to learn how to trust our instrumentation. Or in our words, we have to learn to trust the word of God. And I'm going to tell you, if you and I learn to trust God speaking to you through this book, and we always say this about the Bible, the Bible is God speaking to me. If you learn to trust this book, 
If you're willing to go against your own instincts and say, you know, it doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to do what God says. Folks, you will begin to experience God's good and pleasing and perfect will in your life. Things will begin to correct themselves. You will begin to experience God's best in your marriage, in your career, in your family. Things will start going right with your kids, but you've got to stop going by your own instinct. You've got to start going by the instrumentation that God has given to us. This book called the Bible, God speaking to us. You know, when I was in Bible school, or when I was in high school, pardon me, I was praying and saying, God, I, I, I mean, this, the words of, of 1 Samuel 3 still echoing in my mind from my childhood all the way up to senior high. I'm getting ready to graduate, and now I am praying earnestly, and I'm throwing myself on my face before God and saying, God, Show me your will for my life. And God, I really want to be in the ministry. And I've, I've wanted to be in the ministry all my life. But I thought that the call of God meant that I was going to hear an audible voice. That I'd be praying and all of a sudden God would show up. Alan, is that you? <laughs> I want you to go into full-time ministry. And then suddenly one day as I was praying, it's like the lights came on. And God said to me, not an audible, not an audible voice, but an impression Alan, the desires that I've given to you, the desire to be in the ministry is the evidence of my calling on your life. I'll tell you, that was a life changer for me because I began to recognize how God speaks to his children. And although I never heard an audible voice, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God had called me into full-time ministry. It's all I've ever wanted to do since I was just like eight years old or younger. I only ever wanted to be in the ministry. You can ask my mom. I used to set up a fern stand as a pulpit and chairs and nobody there, but I was preaching to them. It's all I, it's all I ever wanted to do. And God revealed that, that desire in my heart, that longing to be a preacher of God's word, to be in full-time ministry was put there by God. God was guiding me. And I began to recognize the wonder and the joy of God's guidance and leading in my life. God wants to do the same thing for you. And I found as a father and as a husband, I found God's leading and direction and guidance in my life. As a son, I found God's leading and direction in my life. And what God has done in my life, he wants to do in yours. I'm not special in that regard. The Bible says God has no favorites. I used to think that when I was younger. I, was, I must be one of God's favorites. I'm, I'm going to go into the ministry. And then I discovered that I wasn't one of his favorites. I was just like everybody else. I had somebody phone me and say, Pastor Allen, I'm really fed up with my spouse. I want to, I want to divorce him. And you know, I just, just wanted to call and get some guidance from you and uh, you know, I just really want some encouragement in this. Pardon? <laughs> I really want some, I would like a, a word from the Lord to just, uh, you know, just encourage me in my decision. Does, does God say anything? I said, yeah, he does actually. Oh, thank God, I'm so glad I called you. What does he say? God says, I hate divorce. Well, I can't remember exactly what she said, but I know it ended up in hanging up on me. Folks, you have no idea the crazy, crazy things 
that people come up with and, and the crazy things that Christians come up with. Because they're not listening to God speak to them. They're not hearing the voice of God. And I'm going to tell you, folks, although you do not hear an audible voice, you will hear a voice in your heart that leads you and directs you, and it will never go against his word. And this is why Paul tells Timothy, look at this, 2 Timothy 3.16, and then we close. He says, all scripture is inspired by God. Look at this. And is useful. It's instrumentation panel, folks. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Does God still speak? Oh, yeah. He speaks to me every single day. In fact, every time I open that book and read it, God speaks to me. And even when I'm not reading that book and I'm making decisions, his word is now informing my decisions so that whatever I say, whatever I do, it's in line with what God wants. Folks, it's supernatural. The question is this. Have you positioned yourself to hear God's voice? Would you stand with me, please? God, this morning we recognize from your word that you are still in the business of speaking to your people. And the question is not, does God still speak? The question is, are we listening? For some of us, God, we, we don't read our Bibles. For some of us, we refuse to, to copy the behaviors and the customs of the kingdom of God, and we are still living according to the customs and the behaviors of this world. And so therefore, God, our Christianity is very empty. It's very, very much void of any substance or any meaning. It simply doesn't make sense to us. But God, when we start living according to your word, and when we start getting in the habit of hearing you speak to us, God, that's when we begin to see the mighty working of your spirit in our lives, and we find your guidance day by day, moment by moment. In fact, we call it moment-by-moment moment holiness because, God, moment-by-moment, moment, we're doing your will, not our will. So help us, we pray today, to start listening. Help us today, God, to start positioning ourselves to hear, to start living the way you've called us to live, to give up the customs and the behaviors of a wicked world. God, that we might start having the wisdom and the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Because I know this, God, even today, you want to speak to us every day, all day long. And so we thank you, God, for that supernatural part of our Christian experience. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Tell the person beside you, hey, hey, tell the person beside you, God wants to speak to you every day, all day long. Go ahead. Go ahead.